Welcome to the Encourage Her Community Podcast. I'm Joe, your co-host here at Encourage Her. Welcome to the community. We are women who choose to encourage. In a world full of critics, we need more encouragers. Let's get some encouragement today. Happy Monday. All righty. Good morning, encouragers. Welcome back to our series. As you know from our last podcast recording, um, you know we took a little break from our series. Spirit just led us to do so. So now we are back. We are ready to begin again thinking through the 12 disciples and anyone else who the Lord brings us to um, in the way of being a disciple, right? As Lou and I talked about Mary of Magdala last time. So not who maybe you would have thought of when you think of the 12 disciples. Today, we're returning back to one of the original 12 disciples. And I'm here with my friend, Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the Encourager podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, so happy to have you here. And Kelly and I are going to get into it in just a minute. But just to remind you what this series was all about. Um, Jesus left and he asked us to continue his work. He asked us to be disciples, to be fishers of men. He said this in many ways, but he left us with that command. And it is the greatest one to go and spread the hope that we have found. And so we thought it would be fun just to go back and look at those original 12 and just see what they were like and kind of marvel and be in awe a little bit as to the intentionality of choosing all these very different characters. Uh, Because we are all very different characters and our stories are super different. And yet we're all chosen. We're all chosen. So there's some real beauty in just remembering that. And then just, it's fun. It's fun to just zoom in and think about one character. Um, A lot of times we read scripture and there's many people involved and it's fun just to zoom in. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to zoom in on Judas. And the first part, as I always remind you about, we're going to talk about the facts. And when I say that, I mean what we know from scripture, what we know to be truth, what we know to be always true um, from the word of God. And then we just speculate a little bit. It's fun to use our imagination to kind of read between the lines, if you will, and imagine these characters and these real people um, and how they might have felt or what they might have been like. So that we'll just have some fun. And the second part is really, isn't facts, right? But it's just fun and it's cool to think about. And then we're going to end by talking about Kelly. So looking forward to this today so much. So let's get going. Judas, when I asked Kelly to think about a disciple and invited her first, I'm just so glad she said yes. I love when people say yes. <laughs> you never know. Not an easy thing to be recorded. Um, but Kelly's incredible. And Kelly and I know each other a couple different ways, but predominantly through our boys. Um, both of our boys go to school together and then just came to learn over time that she and I have some things in common. Um, outside of Jesus and having children, uh, we love sharing the truth. And we both do that in different ways. So Kelly, do you want to just, before we get into, just tell us like, you know, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I um, I run a nonprofit organization. So I'm a motivational speaker and I'm a, an author. And uh, I run a nonprofit organization that helps women rise from cycles of defeat. So I help women who have been incarcerated, exploited, addicted. And I bring the message of the gospel in a tangible way 
I, I forget which preacher said it years ago that sometimes people are hurting so bad that you can't preach the message. You need to be the message. So that's the essence of my nonprofit ministry is going out into those places where women are really hurting and being the message of Christ and bringing uh, the message of the gospel in a tangible way and reminding them that no matter where they find themselves, that God still loves them and that they have value. I love that. And how beautiful and just Mm -hmm. incredible to be the message. I love that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what's neat is I didn't even know you were coming out with a book when we first scheduled this. So cool timing. Uh, (laughs) Her new book is coming out and we will absolutely, Kelly, of course, if it's okay with you, put all of that information in the show notes so people can reach out to you after the show in any way that they feel led, but absolutely they can support the amazing work that you're doing um, for the kingdom. So very, very cool. All right. So uh, Judas, when I asked Kelly, as I was saying, to think about this and pray about whether she'd like to be a part of it, she not only said yes, but then she said, Judas. I was like, yes. All right, let's do this. Um, so we know a couple of facts that I was thinking through when it comes to Judas, we know he's one, as we said, of the original 12. Um, he is also named in all four gospels, which we've learned throughout the series. That's not true for all disciples. Um, he's had, he was in a few major parts of the gospels, uh, which we will get into, but what's kind of fascinating and he is not alone in this way, but many of the disciples, we really don't know much about. Um, from scripture. We can look into historical documents and other things from the time and learn a little more. Um, We can speculate on their culture and their people group and understand them in a deeper way. But actually, when you just look at scripture alone, there's not a whole lot said about Judas, Um, but he isn't in some very key moments of scripture, as I said. So Uh, A few things I read about people were saying things like he was just one of the guys until he wasn't. Uh, He was just in the group, you know, maybe not the loudest guy. He's not in every single scene. He didn't have a lot of intimate moments with Jesus as other disciples may have. He wasn't in the inner circle, as some say. Um, He was one of the guys. And then yet he had this major um, moment that's been remembered ever since. So interesting in that way that God used him in, in such a specific way. Um, in the storyline. And we see him um, in John 12. And it's a scene where Mary, uh, I'll just read you a a couple lines from it, but I'm in John 12. And it's a scene where Mary um, is with Jesus and she is listening to him. She's at his feet is uh, the picture. And she's um, at the house and she is so um, wanting to pour back onto Jesus. And she literally does that with a very fragrant, expensive perfume. Um, And I'm just going to read a few lines of the scripture here, John 12, as I said, then Mary took about a pint of pure Nord, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So sort of an interesting scene. And we learn a little bit about Judas from John um, here. And again, there's a few different perspectives 
from the disciples regarding Judas. But in this scripture here, John is calling Judas a thief. Pretty strong words here for one of his fellow disciples. And it seems as though one of his tasks were to keep the money for the ministry. And he, you know, we don't hear a lot from Judas, but when he does speak, he spoke pretty boldly to Mary. Um, And he goes on to be um, lovingly corrected by Jesus. Um, And he, Jesus just explains that she has done what is right. And that, you know, basically to, you know, allow her to do it. And Judas doesn't love that, but even Jesus, we learned something about Jesus in the scene where he's just so lovingly responds, um, even in correction. So that's the, the one of the first places we see Judas. And then we know, as it says already here, he went on um, to betray Jesus. And this is mentioned, again, in all four Gospels, the betrayal. And um, it's interesting when I was reading this and, you know, Kelly, speak up at any time about any of this stuff I'm speaking on. Um when I was reading about the betrayal and just kind of focusing in on it, it was interesting to note that although it's mentioned in all four Gospels, um, there's a different kind of slant as to the motive of the betrayal. So in, let's see, um, near one second, uh, where he's kissing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is where we see the betrayal happen. And some say, some of the Gospels say that he did it you know, just for the money, so to speak. Again, kind of going back to when we learned in John about he was the keeper of the money um, and maybe a thief. So that's one perspective. Another is that he was, you know, taken over um, by a demon or it was the enemy, um, Satan, over him, kind of forcing him to do this um, possessed, if you will, was another verbiage. So there's a few different perspectives as to the motive, but everyone agrees it was a betrayal. So there's unity in the in the act of betrayal, but interesting to note that different disciples had, um, they didn't all agree necessarily on what his motives might have been. Um, and then it was in Matthew, here I have it, I was looking for which gospels said the, the different um perspectives. In Matthew, it's thought that it was because of the 30 pieces of silver, whereas John and Luke's gospels claimed that he was possessed by Satan. Um, And then last thing I just noted as far as facts about Judas was in Acts 118 um, is where we see him after he's learned um, of the crucifixion. And we see that it is thought that he's given the money back, the money that he received for the betrayal. Um, he's given it back to the church, offered it back to the church. And then after that, he died of what we would say is a suicidal hanging. Um, and that's noted in Acts one eighteen. And the church then went on to use the money to create a field to be utilized as a graveyard. And they, in, um, the interpretation of the wording, it's called the field of blood. So his money went on to then create a burial ground for the church. So those are some basic facts um, that I found. Kelly, would you want to add or comment on any of the the things we absolutely know about Judas from scripture? Sure. The only thing is, I'm not sure if this was scripture or historical, so you can correct me, but I had read that Judas was the only one that was not from uh, the same 
he didn't live in the same area that all the other disciples had lived in the Bethsaida, Capernaum area, and that Judas was down um, southern, the south of Jer- Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if I found that in scripture or historically, but I recall reading that when you had asked me about doing this, that he was the only one from a different location. Not that that means anything other than it was a fact. Yeah, I read that too. And I think you're right. I think it's more historical, but really interesting, right? That what was that about? You know, he wanted Jesus and God, right? Had planned this storyline far before these characters came on. He chose these areas to pull his disciples from. Super interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I thought it was, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought it was interesting when they said he was just one of the guys until he wasn't, you know, he had these like major moments and yet was sort of quiet the whole way until then, you know? I had yeah. never really noticed that before necessarily. When you hear Judas, you just think of the betrayal. At least I should say, I think of the betrayal. I don't think about what he was like before. What was his purpose before? You know, I just go right to, and it seems as though that's what it historically has happened is he's just, that's what he's thought of, right? That one big moment. Well, and I mean, this is factual from scripture as well as we know that Jesus called him and he went. He followed. So those motives, we don't know what they were when he initially followed Jesus. He made a decision that I'm going to leave everything behind me and I'm going to follow. That's right. So he did that. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. That's right. And um, real interesting, too, as to I, I always find it interesting when you're looking at the Gospels and they were all there. Right. They all witnessed. And yet their perspectives being slightly different here and there. Wording maybe being slightly different here and there, their human perspective of the actual event recorded. Um, but I love the goodness of God for giving us those multiple perspectives, yeah. right? How good of him, not just to one view, one angle. Um, I think that's just so beautiful that he, he did that. I think that's, that's uh, obviously intentional, but I think that's the same of us when we view one person. Um, all of us would see different things in that person or notice something different, or maybe describe an act that they had, um, you know, done differently. And maybe you and I would have different reasons why we think their motives would be different. So it's just so relatable and beautiful. Um, and I think it's just, I'm always reminded of that when I look through the gospels in this kind of way, um, anything else you would add as far as facts, not factual. Yeah. Right. Not a lot. When you get to that next part, I have things to add. But Ooh, here so- we go. Okay. <laughs> that's so fun. And that's what's neat about this, though, too, is like, oh, wow, we really don't. There's not a lot of facts. When you really go to sit to write it down, what do I actually know? Okay. Yeah. Where he was born. We know how he died. We know around the time period of these things. But there's not a lot, right? There's not a lot of details. Um, so it's kind of neat. Well, let's just get to the fun then, right? When we're thinking about Judas, Um, And we know what, as I said, most people think about when they hear the name Judas, even if you're not a believer, um, even if you're not someone who reads the Bible, you've likely heard of this um, because it is so um, controversial, right? And so even outside of the church, this is a known story. But, you know, when we think about him as, as a whole, what do we think about? So how about I have you start on the fun and then I'll add in what I was thinking about with the fun. Does that feel good? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love this because I never even thought 
about Judas any other way than what we've been taught, right? Like, okay, he was a betrayer, he was a thief. But in doing this little bit of research for with you, knowing I was going to do this, I'm like, wow, he had a yes. He had a yes in his heart. At some point, he had a yes. He had a surrendered heart to God. And then I got thinking deeper, like, what were his motives? Was he really just this evil man? We don't know, right? We know what he had done, but where did he start? Where did this originate? And I got thinking, especially in light of the work that I do, what if, just like this is a what if what if he just had some unhealed soul wounds like jealousy and and hurt and you know when hey the inner circle Peter John Peter John and and James how come they get to go with Jesus how come they get to be on the mount of transfiguration how come they get called into the room when Jairus's daughter is healed hey that's not fair what about me don't you see all the work I'm doing for you Jesus mm. and I thought when we don't take those thoughts captive now again this is just Kelly's scenario When we don't take those thoughts captive, we end up with unhealed soul wounds. And then we ended up making choices from that place of our wounds versus the place of our healing. So maybe he did start out well. Maybe he did start out with really good intentions, but he had some jealousy in him that said, I don't think this is fair. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to take my own money. I'm going to take things upon myself because I don't think he would have been as repentant and saddened in the end at his actions, if he had been that evil all along, I think there was something good in him and he made some wrong decisions out of a wrong place. And then he ended up with great regret. Mm, This is so cool because only God can do this. First of all, isn't it fun to just think about one disciple? Wasn't it fun to do that? I just found the, I found the process so fun. And just thinking about Judas, I'm totally aligned with you. Because I was thinking, you know, when I saw historically, when you, I noticed, I love art and I noticed all the artwork, Judas has red hair. And I look, you have red hair, but (laughs) (laughs) historically in the Spanish culture, it was like a negative, like someone who was cast out with the red hair, which is just like terrible. You know, my sister has beautiful red hair, like you have beautiful red, but there was something culturally and attached to, so they, they depicted him in the Spanish culture and also in Shakespearean uh, time period and artwork, it was red hair. Like this guy that was just, like you said, evil and awful hearted and should be cast out. And it was even visually depicted that way. I thought that was so wild and so human of us to just label cast out, right? Which I know with the women you work with, I'm sure you can amen that just labeled cast out, right? And we're just going to color you that way. And you're going to be depicted that way. And that's who you're going to be. That's who you're going to be historically. Um, And yet, because we have the hope of the Lord and we know we can be renewed and we know that there can be real heart transformation, he doesn't need to stay the Judas that made the bad choice. Right. So I was kind of along the same wavelength in my mind thinking, wow, what? I mean, is he really that bad? He was chosen to be one of the 12. Right. But I was thinking about that scene with Mary. And I'm what, again, this is just Joanne, just like Kelly said, this is not scripture based, but I was wondering, like, did resentment from being corrected by the Lord, right? Even though it was loving from what we can see, it was, it was a correction in front of his, his guys, right? Like, and like you said, some of the the inner circle, he was corrected in front of them. And I don't know his story before following Jesus. I don't know his male role model. I don't know his insecurities. I can only speculate. 
but was there resentment? And just as you said, that can really create some roots. Not good. Not good roots. It can grow some roots and then there could be some nasty fruit that can come out of resentment. And I thought that's so interesting. And yet you see the remorse. So did he, I'm again, speculating, just wondering, thinking through this, like, was he just really upset that he was the money keeper and that, you know, he, he didn't like that he was corrected. And again, all just thinking and imagining his feelings on that moment. And then to start, you know, making cahoots with the other side and getting a kickback for it. Did he like that? Did he like the power? And did he like the control? I have no idea, but you wonder then to see this beautiful heart of remorse, which that's where I'm really aligned with what you're saying is like, there had to have been a relationship to have remorse. I just, again, imagine he felt bad in Matthew 27. um, It says here, Matthew 27, three through 10, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. I mean, that's a pretty big word, seized, like frozen with remorse. To be frozen and seized up, like super tense, that's a big emotion. And um, he returned the 30 pence as we started, the 30 pieces of silver rather. And he says, I have sinned. He's a full admission. I have sinned for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. All blame on Judas, right? He is admitting it and they're throwing it right back on him. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left almost like shame. Then went away and hung himself. I mean, powerful stuff we're talking about here. Like, Never have I really focused this part of Judas's story so much. And it really made my heart sad. It's like, wow, this follower of Jesus who absolutely betrayed him, but then felt so sorry about it to take his own life. The seized up remorse. I mean, whoa, there's much more to this man, right? Than just this evil hearted act. Yes. So I agree. Yeah. It's wild. And I just feel like, again, as with each of the disciples we go through, we all have evil acts and we all have ways we've betrayed and and maybe not as documented and as historically controversial and remembered forever, you know, but boy, I mean, our stories are imperfect. Yeah. And, you know, we could be depicted that way from different angles, from different perspectives. Who know? You know, I mean, we're all sinful and he's admitting it. I have sinned. He's putting it out there, even trying to pay back in some way for what he's done. So just wild. So much more to this dynamic guy. Um, And Kelly, what that makes me think of, you know, we always love to then now that we've kind of sat in you and I thinking about Judas and just all the different angles, like what are you as Kelly? How do you relate what stands out to you personally? And then on top of that, do you see any way that God has used you? So clearly, you know, this part of story was used in scripture. It's not a wasted moment. Nothing is wasted, right? Every moment is intentionally designed. So what in your story has been used by God? And yeah. how do you relate to Judas? A big question, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It is funny because when you did talk with me, I was like, damn, Judas. And I'm like, why am I jumping on Judas? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think probably because of what we already covered is I, you know, I started out with that yes in my heart, but, you know, I also had a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in my heart. So I wanted to serve God with everything in me, but I still fell short. We all fall short, but I, I, you know, I betrayed him with my actions many times going through my walk before there was a full surrender. And, you know, and in my heart of hearts, that's why I related to Judas, because I really believe at some point he started out wanting to really follow Jesus as I did in my journey. And then, you know, the the deception or the pain in my heart or the temptation to uh, not serve Jesus uh, with an honest heart. And I fell short in that area. However, in God's great grace, he is the ultimate recycler. He will take all of that that we've been through and he's used it now that's the very reason I can do the work that I do because I can identify and relate with that pain and that hurt and offer the healing of God because he extended it to me, even when I betrayed him, much like uh, Judas and many of the disciples, Peter, all of them, right? We all have that level where we have betrayed Jesus. That's why we need him. If we were all good in ourselves, we wouldn't need his sanctification, his his redemption, his love. So yeah, I've betrayed him. And uh, now I use all of that to now use that pain as my platform to reach others with the gospel. It's incredible. And I love what you're saying. Just that reminder that we are all sinful. We're all flawed. We've all betrayed to some degree. And we in our humanist could look at a Judas and say, well, I'm not Judas, but I'm not doing that. And it's not the point, right? We're in God's eyes. We're all loved equally, but we're also all sinful. So he knows our hearts. And just to be honest and turn towards him, as I love how you said, full surrender. Um, how powerful. And then only God could use all that. All that, uh, the ultimate recycler. I love that you said that. Use it for his good and use it for the kingdom and to share with others. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Well, this has been really fun, Kelly. And I feel like I just love that you chose Judas. And I love that we get to look at each of these characters. And they're real people and just look at their story and even just feel connection. I feel more of a connection to him now than I ever did. I never felt a connection to Judas personally. And now I just feel, man, you know, he was, he was, he was sorry, you know, he was sinful and I can relate to that. And I can relate to that feeling even of wanting to pay him back. Wow. How could I pay you back for all that you've done for me, Lord? Like I really relate to that. And yet he doesn't ask us for that. He asks us to pay it forward, right? To create more disciples, to share the hope we've found. So, right. And we're all meant to do that. We're all asked to do that regardless of our story. So I'm grateful. And in a moment, I'll close in prayer. I'm just grateful for the Lord for giving us these real people to remind us of that flawed, broken people, right? Who don't measure up, but boy, because of an incredible, incredible savior, we all can share that hope right? And everyone listening has that ability and opportunity. Um, And we just pray that you're moved to get to know him personally. If you don't already, he wants a relationship with you as he has with us. And he, you know, you're not listening on by accident. 
And he doesn't choose you just for you. He's got people in mind um, along your journey, right? So we would love to hear from you, listeners, on how you're hearing this, what you think about Judah, share your thoughts. If you want to reach out to Kelly and learn more about the incredible work she's doing and read her book, uh, which I got to preview, Lucky Me, Um, and it's amazing and raw and honest and really powerful. So Kelly, just, I'm going to close in prayer, but thank you so much again for your time. I know time is precious. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessing. Awesome. And I'll close in prayer and listeners, you know, we always say it, but we mean it. Encourage Her is a community of women who can be your community. We can be here for you. We can encourage you, but the ultimate goal would be that we do that so that you can turn around and go encourage somebody else in your world. Uh, We've all got people that need help. We've all got people that need encouragement, including ourselves. So show up for some encouragement and then turn around and be a woman who intentionally encourages her. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for technology and the ability to chat. Uh, We thank you just that we can speculate, that we have freedom to be able to have some fun with your word. We honor your word. Um, We believe it. And yet you allow us to um, imagine you know, imagine these real people in today's time. They're part of our story too. They're part of our history, Lord. Thank you for Judas and his story. Uh, thank you for all of the disciples and this command, this um, this charge, if you will, to go out and to share the hope we've found. Please be with Kelly as she continues on in her mission that you place in her heart, Lord, uh, just to be bold, where you call her to be bold, to be soft, uh, to be a listener where an ear is needed. Um, and maybe to say the hard things when that's needed too, Lord, you just, you've given her such a unique skill set and a unique story to be used for you, your glory. Uh, thank you for her today in your name. Amen. All right. There's my hubby again. Have a great day. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Happy Monday. <laughs> Ladies, I am so honored that you chose to spend some time with me this morning. I hope and pray that the Word of God encouraged you and that you feel inspired to now get out into the world and be a woman who chooses to encourage. Remember, Encourage Her is a God-given, purpose-driven ministry. This podcast is for the taking. It's free for the sharing. Please share it with her. Also, remember to subscribe, like, and follow us on Instagram at Encourage Her Wellness for your daily quick encouragements throughout the week. From now till then, stay encouraged and choose to encourage her. I'll see you next Monday. Love to you all.